Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. In this episode, we have a legend. Well, she's very modest, so she doesn't really like to call herself a legend. Well, she doesn't call herself a legend. Others do. Anyway, it's World Rugby Rugby Hall of Famer, no less, Lisa Burgess. So welcome along to the podcast, podcast, Lisa. Thank you very much, Dan. Thanks for that great introduction there. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Well, a little bit of background to how I know Lisa, uh, or to some who know her very well as well as uh, she was known as Bird Burgess. And there's a reason for that because she played 93 times for Wales and GB, uh, playing mostly at number eight, though she did eventually, I think, as she became a little bit slower, would you believe, <laughs> uh, moved up into the second row. She also captained Wales for 62 times, is that right? I think so. That's what they say, <laughs> That's, right. That's what they say. and I know your maths is awful. Oh, so. thanks, Dan. <laughs> you're not far away there, actually. That's right. But luckily, we're not going to talk about uh, maths. We are going to be talking about coaching because after playing, uh, she went on to coach various different club sites. And when I met her, we were working with the Welsh women as assistant coaches. And we went to the 2010 World Cup together. So we're going to be talking about her role coaching and coaching in the women's game and women's coaches. So... I'm going to first of all ask a little bit about where you are coaching now and some of the coaching qualifications you've you've done to get to where you are. Okay, well, thanks very much, Dan, and it's great to talk to you. It's a long time ago, isn't it? Since we were working together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, but yeah, at the moment uh, I'm coaching at Gloucester Hartbury, um, which is in the Tyrrells Premiership League um, in the England setup, um, and it's a really competitive league. Uh, England, the domestic league in England, has gone from strength to strength, really. So um, you know, there's ten ten teams involved in that. Um, you know, Saracens, Quins, Loughborough Wasps, Gloucester, Bristol Bears, Richmond, and DMP Darlington Magden. Sharks, Furwood, Waterloo, and Worcester. So there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of competition for those top four places, which is taking place at the moment in the final playoffs. But from my coaching, I, I worked with you. Obviously, I played and then moved in as an attached coach to coach um, the Welsh women's side, um, and then then um, actually went on to become an assistant coach, um, working with yourself and Jason, which was great fun back then. So, yeah, and my coaching qualifications you asked about, um, I worked my way through from level, did the level one years and years ago, then level two and um, uh, completed my level three with the Ospreys, which was uh, a few years ago now. And uh, going back to doing the level three course, Hmm. I'm guessing that you were probably the only woman on the course. Yeah, I was. I was indeed, actually. Um, not not so much the case now. Indeed, there's, there's, you know, there's lots of women now in Wales, well, all throughout the world that are doing their level three courses. And I know World Rugby, there's a big drive at the moment to, um, you know, to, to get more women coaches qualified um, and on the scene, um, you know, in within the world, in the different nations. So uh, any women coaches listening in, uh, obviously, you've got to start at level one, and your your advice would be that they should be just getting out there and coaching as much as possible, 
how what how would be what would be the best way to get more involved oh i mean have a go basically you know get get um shadow if you can get along to a club where there are um women's coaches or girls coaches or or, or boys as well you know um just go along and have a go and see what it's like um to coach to coach youngsters to coach people actually playing playing the sport um you know don't be afraid of trying things out um shadow shadow a coach that you know, see what they do and, and plan a little, you know, 10, 15 minute session. So you actually have a go at actually coaching a skill. Um, so you're not taking the whole session. You might just jump in and maybe have a go with a, a 10, 15 minutes um, session. And I think that's a very good way of getting yourself used to, well, it's a very exciting, but also quite a scary experience of that first moment when you are actually saying, right, we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. And of course you are, absolutely terrified that no one's going to listen to you or they're not going to do the right things. So let's say you're in that situation mm. and you are, I'm, I'm just trying to think back. This is a, a very long time ago for me <laughs> is uh, when yeah. I first did my first ever session. And I know I was afraid of what the outcomes would be. What, what sort of um, advice would you say if you're just about to start your first ever session, what would you say to a coach? I think you've got to be confident. Um, I, you know, if you've if you've planned out what you're going to do and you you try it out with the with the, the group, and like I said, if you're just doing a small 10, 15 minute session, have someone alongside you as well to give you feedback and and be able to support you as well. So if things don't go quite how you planned, and it's your first time or second time you're doing it, they can jump in to try and say, you know, just assist you. Or don't be afraid of making those mistakes. And if 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 things don't go to plan, just just make sure you, you can adapt what you were doing to to kind of develop develop the game and and you know make it fun for the players as well yeah uh, I mean the thing I'm thinking back to my own experience um, and also when I did my the first sessions with the Welsh women is that mm. what they they seemed to respond to was something which was slightly different but it wasn't very complicated to start off with uh, in other words you gave them a new idea and they they were able to get on with the exercise without having to think about lots and lots of different other things. So keep it simple and mm. uh, not too complicated, and then you can build from there. Uh, that does, that's, uh, that's for all players, I think. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, demonstrate, be able to demonstrate what you want them to do as well. And, um, and don't talk too much because, I, I <laughs> you know, I think if, you, if you're standing there as a coach and you're talking for ages and ages, you know, the players will just lose interest. So keep, it, keep them short, simple, um, uh, instructions for for them to be able to follow, and then let them get you know let them have a go and try it, and then come in when you need to. Uh, so going back to the the Tyrrells Championship, um, mm. it, what we can see is that it's been a successful season, and there has been some television coverage, which has been fantastic, mm. and there has been some coverage in the newspapers, which is getting better. Um, yeah. But what I see is, and I think this is fantastic, is some great crowds. And sometimes um, thousands upon thousands coming to watch games. What, what, why do you think this season has become different? Is it because of the television? Uh, is it because of the quality of play? What, what's been the difference? I think there's a number of factors really, Dan. I mean, since the last World Cup, uh, which was in Ireland, the media exposure from that just grew. And England winning, of course, the previous World Cup um, in France was just um, set the ball rolling for them. And, you know, they've made a statement, England, that they want to be the best in the world. So, you know, 
the media coverage and I would say also the number of um, women role models you've now got within the media. You know, the likes of Maggie Alfonsi, who, you know, the, the Telegraph have bought into the fact they've got their own separate um, piece now for women's sport on Sundays, which is fantastic. And she's one of the writers. You've got Danielle Waterman, ex-England international, who's, um, you know, tweeting, involved in world rugby, out with the sevens as well. She's on the news all, all the time. Um, Rachel Taylor, you know, where... Rachel Taylor, a Welsh um, international captain, uh, she's done a fantastic job and is, is in the media. You've got another ex-international as well, Philippa Toutier, who's on S4C, L Evans. So these women are now becoming role models within the media of their own own right. Um, and I think the live streaming of the games as well has made those the women's games more um, accessible to members of, you know, the population so they can see those and actually you know take our last game of the season against harlequins um which you know they had a, a big promotion there for calling it a game changer and four and a half thousand people which four was a new record attended attended that women's game it wasn't great for us to be honest <laughs> it was an awful result for us but um but you know and take as well the european um championship final spain versus the netherlands which was earlier this month there were over nine thousand people watching that game actually at the game which is just phenomenal um you know and I think the investment in the English league the professional status as well of the of the England players um you know has has meant that you know there is a massive interest now um for sponsorship of the women's game the domestic leagues but also the media coverage um is matching that and there's a real drive I feel now uh you know within you know, the world uh, to promote more women's sport, um, which is just fantastic. And one of the key things that you're coming across from that is role models. And I've been particularly interested that more and more coaches are women. And I think that's always been very important to, to drive it forward because it's got to grow from within rather than grow from others thinking, well, we think this is a good idea and it's a ticking ticking some various uh, politically correct boxes, which is completely the wrong way in the end of going Mm. about things. And that's that's why I think it's very exciting in particular. Now, you're obviously working alongside um, a legend in their own right, uh, Susie Appleby. uh, And uh, she's obviously an inspiration and um, a role model for you. So in, in particular, someone like her, what sort of qualities does she bring to coaching that we could all learn from? Yeah, I mean, Susie's a, Susie's a great legend. She's um, coached at um, England Sevens and an ex-international herself. She was Bristol head coach before she's she's moved on now to Gloucester Hartbury. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic to, to work with Susie. I mean, Susie's um, knowledge and experience, obviously, first and foremost, um, has, has given her that great depth of knowledge of the actual game. Um, but she knows what she wants to deliver and how to get how to get that across to the players. Um, and she can really develop player player skill levels um, and really push them to be the best that they can. She's you know she's black and white. Susie will say it as it is. Um, she's um, really resilient and she she works hard herself. So she expects that from the players that she works with, which is the best you know the best way you can to get it out to them. So if you were at a training session and you're watching what she's doing, mm. what sort of what does that training look like where you can see, I can see this person knows what they're doing. So you are saying I can learn from exactly what she's doing. So there's all that background to come before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's seven, five past seven, Tuesday evening at a session. What's she doing? 
Well, the session is really well planned out. So we, so every every coach and um, strength and condition <clears throat> coach that's there as well know exactly, you know, we know what we're doing. Um, so it's all divided up into different areas. Um, but Susie will be bringing high tempo, high energy to all the drills that she's delivering, um, putting the, pl- the players under pressure, not accepting, you know, if the ball goes down, that's not good enough, you know, let's pick it up, let's make sure we, we don't drop drop the ball again. She's putting pressure on those players, adding adding this, you know, to increase that intensity and tempo to the to the actual session. So um obviously one of the ways she increases the tempo is by accepting the best and not accepting poor play. What else should, does she do <clears throat> to keep that tempo up? I think, you know, short and sharp. So the drills that we do, you know, we, we make sure that they're at high intensity and we spend, uh, you know, a dedicated amount of time on those um, uh, to drill that in. And then we move on to the next to the next um, skill that we're doing. So we don't dwell too long. We don't talk too much during the actual session itself. Um, there, there are different intensities to the to the sessions that we do. If we want a high intensity where um, we're repeating a skill that we may have learned the previous week, that's high intensity we expect that drill to be like that but if we're teaching them something a new skill that's where it's we've got a bit more time where we can explain things uh, interrupt the drill if things aren't quite going right so that the players understand what they need to do to achieve um, the outcome of the actual skill itself all right so there's a tier, two-tier type approach then uh, the learning teaching ones will be less intense the ones they've done before yes. will be more intense now you've said in the past uh, one of the differences between coaching men and women is that women do like to talk. Uh, <laughs> now, I, oh. I, can't, I can't believe that myself. However, yeah. um, <laughs> if you are doing the drill or the exercise and you want to keep that intensity up and you know that they like to talk, how do you deal with that situation? <laughs> Well, I think that's about a culture as well, you know, and making sure the players understand from the start what the expectations are for the actual session itself. There's a time to talk um, and that's when you're learning those new skills and when you've got time to practice it. But when you're actually um, in those high tempo sessions, you know, which are equivalent to how the game is being, you know, the game itself will be played. You have to have that concentration and focus from the players at this particular level. I mean, we're talking premiership level. You know, this is there's an expectation there from these players. You know, they, they are the best players within England that we're dealing with. So, you know, it's it's it, it's made clear to them at the start, you know, this is what we expect from you during those sessions. Um, you know, if, if players are talking, it, 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 you know, they're, it's dealt, they're dealt with, you know, we're kind of the players they're themselves. dealt with. Yeah, well, you know, in that, in that the players, there's an expectation there. The culture is set, you know, this is how we work. This is what we want to achieve. And, you know, they're there for a reason. They want to be the best players they can. When, when you're working with players at the elite level, you know, um, you, if you don't have that buy-in, then really there's no point in them being there at, at that elite level of the game. Now, if we are with a grassroots team, a grassroots girls mm. team perhaps, um, and knowing that uh, perhaps there is going to be a little bit more chat, I, I suppose you can still set out the expectations that we will. there will be times when we will discuss what we're going to be doing and there will be other times where I say, right, uh, we're going to stop the discussion now and we're just going to get on and do it and we'll have the discussion later. Does, is that the sense of how you would retain the tempo? So you set out the expectations at the start and then there will be times when you say, remember what I said at the start? 
Is that how you would? Yeah, I think, I think so, Dan. I mean, again, at grass, you know, when you're talking grassroots level, you're talking people that are just trying out the game for the first time. You know, they come along. It's really important at those sessions. You've got a different kind of tempo and intensity in that. It's it's really really fun. I'm not saying you know senior sessions at Tyrrells can't be fun as well because of course they need to be and they need to be varied because people have got to enjoy what they're doing because if you lose that enjoyment you know, then that's really sad because you've got to keep that enjoyment to, to make you want to play. So I think at grassroots level, one of the big things is fun. Um, lots of chat, getting to know the people you're playing with as well. Um, when you're doing those drills, and you, there's lots of fun drills you can do to get, um, you know, the girls really involved in the games and, and want to come back and, and take part in it again. That's, that's yeah. got to be a big part of the, the grassroots rugby. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, no, okay. I don't you like that. Is that uh, if you're going, say, to a grassroots club, and you say I've got a uh, I've got a couple of drills up my sleeve. Um, which ones would you say? Right, I'm, I will always probably use this one because they really enjoy it. It's one of the f- the fun ones. Oh, if you're doing it like the first one would be chasing a tail feather, which is where you got the, the old um, you know the bibs tucked down the back. Just mm. um, first of all as a warm up, just to get their heart rates up. Mm. Not not even with a rugby ball, you know, just just running around, just pulling the pulling the um, the bibs out just to get that fun. Um, element into them and then introducing the ball um rugby netball is always a great one to start with the um young players you know just passing the ball around in any direction um and so it's a game which they'll probably be very familiar with is that yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, just to get the hands on the ball get used to what the ball feels like um little relays passing the ball you know just getting used to what the rugby ball feels like passing around their waist Mm. around their legs around their head you know um Pepper pot is a great one where you've got groups of five, um, two balls, um, one in one person in the middle and you and the others in a semicircle around them, just passing the ball to the middle person. So there's two balls on the go. So oh. it helps their hand-eye coordination. Um, that's a netball drill, actually. Um, but you can do that with a rugby ball. Change the ball, you know, give tennis ball as well, just to vary it up a bit. So there's two balls traveling at the same time. The person in the middle obviously is working under pressure there. Just a bit of fun, just to get them used to what the... Um, you know, the rugby ball feels like and just put them under a little bit of pressure um, and but keep that fun element in, into it as well. I, re- I really enjoy the idea of that pepper pop game in particular, lots of different balls going at the same time. So let's say we're in a typical session with uh, the Tyrrells girls mm-hmm. and they are they are obviously at a, at a different level. What sorts of things would you be doing with them during that session? So what would your input be once the session gets going. So they've done a bit of a warm-up. They may have done some fun exercises as well. So now uh, you're with a group, probably with the forwards, I'm guessing, um, and you're doing something with them. So what does that look like? I mean, yeah, I mean, all the coaches have got different um, responsibilities within the actual session itself. So after, you know, we've done the warm-up with some maybe some decision-making drills, passing, handling drills, um, and then the strength and conditioning does the actual warm up with the players they rotate during that when they come across to me or um an lj and ollie who are the other two coaches we've also got another guy called akil who helps us out um we we all have the different areas which we um work on um so in a typical session i might be looking at the breakdown um so um or some specific um handling drills some decision making drills um and then they'll come into those drills for five minutes and then they'll go back into a game situation and then they'll break out again into some more skills. So we kind of divide it up between us to skills, back into a game situation, come back to a skill. So we do break out before we actually split into forwards and backs within the actual main body of the 
content itself. All right. Okay. So I like that mix there of do a bit of skill, get into a game, do a bit of skill, get into a game. Now, um, you know how much I love talking about the detail. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, let's say you've got some players coming to you for um, your breakout session. Uh, give me some examples of the, some some of the bits of detail that you might be giving them to improve. So, um, for example, this week we've been working on um, sevens. So we were looking at um, actually taking um, the ball into contact and then looking at um, ABC. So the first person into contact would be the A, presenting the ball back. B goes over to um, seal the ball and then the next person runs in a C and then they spread the ball out to play in sevens obviously a different game to 15s so we, we were working on small groups hitting into a pad and then regenerating the ball back to hit into another pad on the right hand side so the ball just keeps working between those for five minutes stop doing that drill back into a game situation so uh yeah so that that's the exercise and mm. what were you specifically looking for them to do so the a player when they go into contact what- footwork before contact yeah. so looking at footwork before contact to hit a pad and the, the idea of it is to make sure that um you know we've got the support players obviously in sevens there's only seven of you on the pitch to mm. get in really quickly um and either seal nice and low over that ball to protect it and then the, the next player in has to then distribute that ball as, as quickly as possible. So that that was the kind of skill element. So the the understanding from the players was they've got to follow the ball into contact um, and be able to um, spread the ball as quickly as possible um, when when they when they come in. So the in this particular case, the C player has actually got to pass the ball away. Now, normally that's the role of a scrum half. So this could be any particular player. Uh, what sort yes. of things were you seeing when they were trying to pass the ball away? Because not everybody uh, has your sort of handling skills and can pass equally well <laughs> off left and right hand. About that. But um, that's something we work on uh, really, really um, closely every single session um, to make sure the handling skills are up to scratch. And certainly over the last few weeks, we've been really working on that, um, developing the pass, the width of the pass and the players. So as you said, in sevens, um, there isn't a nominated nine unless, unless you've got a set piece from a, a liner or a scrum. Um, so everybody has to have that skill, that ability to pass. So, um, yeah, passing off the left hand, um, you know, can be difficult for some players, but it, but it's a skill that everybody needs to have, especially in the seven, sevens game. So um, I'm so, yeah, going to put you on the spot then. Uh, this uh, yeah. One of the women is struggling with her left-hand pass. What interventions might you uh, put in place to help her improve that? So you'd be looking at there, if the, if the player is really struggling, doing some IDP, which is indivi- individual development um, work, which you can do with the players after the games or before the sessions. And if they were really struggling, you're looking at uh, a nice um, high elbow, getting big wide step as you go in to get the ball off if it was on the floor um, and a nice following through with those hands. So you're um, actually pointing to where you want that ball to go um, when you pass. So, so initially, just working from the floor for that player um, to, to make sure we get that high elbow and follow through with the hands to get that pass away right. to a target. And then actually you can build up movement then so the player's um, actually running in, taking the wide step, getting down nice and low to pass that ball away. And then as they as they improve with that, you can then um, obviously add more pressure to them um, with a person actually coming into that contact. All right, um, so they've got so three, three key things to think about and you build up the pressure with them and... Eventually, depending on um, how athletic and how skillful they are in the first place, they'll pick those ideas up and then 
take the, take them on as you put more pressure on them. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, well, that's what we hope anyway. Now, I like the Absolutely. idea they they're jumping into games. So, what do those games look like then? Um, again, we're looking at um, if, we, if we're concentrating specifically on se- on sevens at the moment. Uh, again, we want them high intensity. So, we'll be doing um, so one touch where, as you touch the defender that touches you, will pancake so go down onto the floor. Um, so the defender is taken out of the game. The player that goes into contact then, we need another player to seal over the ball and then we'll play from there. So basically, you then create that space in the attack then because obviously one of the defenders is down on the floor doing a pancake, as we call it. Mm -hmm. So just um, into the pancake shape, down and up to create the space for the attacking team. So it just reinforces the drill that we've just done uh, in the breakout session and that drill is then taken into the game so that you can work on that that um, that skill in the game itself then. And again, those games will be um, 10 minutes and then you'll come out into another breakout skill and then go back into the game. So all the time, you know, the players are learning and then they're developing their skill in a game situation, which is really important to get that intensity. And like I said, alluded to previously, if we were teaching a new skill, you would allow more time so that you could um, interrupt and explain and intervene when the players needed a bit more input when you're trying to develop that skill. Okay. Now, you've been coaching for well quite a while now. And uh, we're all learning um, as coaches. What do you think that over the last few years you've you've changed as as a coach? What what sort of things are you doing differently now that you weren't you weren't doing, say, ten or f- even five years ago? I think that um, as you develop as a coach and get more mature, you certainly have more experiences. You know, I've I've, I've been lucky this year as well to. Um, look at some of the Gloucester men's sessions with Johnny Bell. And I've worked closely with LJ um, in the club, LJ Lewis, who's a really up and coming women's coach. And she's a MMA um, fighter as well. So I've, I've learned a lot from her about how to work with the players with regards to grappling on the floor, getting out of tackles, that type of thing. And I think what one of the things certainly I've developed and learned is, is not being afraid to try new things um, and, and, you know, developing those sessions so sometimes you're going to go one way with it um, and you think okay that's what we're going to do and then the players might say oh actually could we do this and you're thinking actually that's a you know that's a really good idea let's let's develop that so not not being afraid as well to explore things with the players um, you know you're not always right as a coach you're not and and you learn things and actually sometimes players it's really important to to, to take people's views on boards and, and sometimes develop that at the same time knowing exactly where you want to go as a coach and how that fits within the big big picture of the game plan so that's so, uh, um, that's um that's experience and that is um something that you you, you can't have immediately um and for me again that's something which um i think all coaches all the best coaches tend to get is be more patient uh more able to change with the players react to the players obviously more difficult when you are first starting out coaching and you're quite nervous of what the players think so you've as you said you've got to keep it simple when you first start out and Mm. with um well with any set of players uh and girls as well as boys you want to give them uh make sure it's fun and give them some fun activities to do. So that's how you would mix it. You'd have a bit of fun and you'd probably uh, be a bit more serious when you're turning into some of the techniques. Is that how you would play your session through? 
Definitely. I mean, you've got to, you know, there's got to be a fun element, you know, the fun element can be brought in during the warm up type games and, you know, at the beginning of the sessions with the girls. But once you're on the park, like I said, on the training field, it, you know, you've got to have that mindset, you've got to have that game face because you've only got them for an hour. So everything, an hour and a half maximum, you, you know, everything you do, certainly when you're coaching at the premiership level has to be at that tempo, that intensity, because um, that is what they're going to be doing when they play on on their Saturdays you know you have to have it at that level whereas if you're working with you know youngsters that are just coming into the game you know there is more fun elements to it but you're getting that across through fun games enjoyment um, and making them want to be able to come back as well so there's got to be a happy medium there with those youngsters but like I said the more serious it gets you know it is serious and you're playing premiership rugby it has to be yeah so yeah and I think that's another really important point that I think uh, often coaches think when they first start out that they have got to be deadly serious and they've got to be coaching technique and it's all about technique and improving technique and really it's a lot more about the people skills and enjoyment and only really when you start stepping up the levels do you become a little bit more intense in the way that you approach things so and mm. I think you've got coaches who are first starting out probably got to be a little bit more relaxed about the outcomes uh, yeah I mean I mean, don't get me wrong, Dan. I mean, when you're coaching technical, say, for example, the tackle, I mean, there's health and safety points to get across there. So that that is a serious element when you come to contact rugby, you know, so you have to get those safety points across. Um, just like when you're teaching the line out as well and, um, you know, and body body profiling scrum, they are serious points because otherwise, you know, they that can lead to injury. So you do need to stress that at the grassroots level. But there's still time after you've done those that serious element to have that fun fun game, you know, sessions with those youngsters at the grassroots level. Okay, I think that's an important thing for coaches to um, to be aware of and just to know that it, it pans out in different ways depending on the situations. Now, the, the great yeah. thing is that, uh, as we discussed before, there's lots of women's coaches now on the scene, whereas when mm-hmm. we were working together, they were few and far between. There were some, but there weren't that many. Now there's yeah. lots out there. Who do we who do we need to look out for? And you have to be very careful because I know you're going to be biased because there's some great Welsh coaches there. So I know you're going to mention them, uh, but <laughs> also <definitely>. also <laughs> also point out some of the other ones that we got to look out for. Obviously, we're going to have to say Susie Appleby because she's your boss. Uh, but <laughs> definitely, Susie's Susie's a great coach in her own right. Um, LJ as well, LJ who I work with at Gloucester Heartbreak. She's a level four coach. LJ um, Lewis. LJ Lewis. Yeah. LJ Lewis. Yeah, she's a great coach and definitely one to look out for. She brings a lot to the game. Um, you got Joe Yap, who's an English coach, England under twenties, yeah. um, down in Exeter. Um, she's she's got had a phenomenal career, ex England international. Um, Rachel Taylor. There we are, a Welsh one, um, who, who is um, brilliant. Rachel Taylor, ex-international captain for Wales. Um, she's coached the men's side at Colwyn Bay. Um, she's a great coach and definitely one to look out for. And I would um, just I just say that I've come across her since uh, I stopped coaching her when I was working with Swansea Schools. And she was working with one of the uh, North Wales regions. And her attitude was fantastic. Her, the excitement that she brought, but also... Um, at half time, uh, she swapped mm. a load of the players, and uh, she said, "Well, everyone's going to have half a game," and she was quite yeah. uh, quite certain that that was the way forward. And I I felt a little bit like, uh, "Well, just a moment, we should be doing this as well. Why aren't we 
following this through. And this was with regional players. So every player who travelled down knew they were going to get mm. half a game. And that just sort of s- sums up the way someone like uh, Rachel is about coaching and the fact that it's not about her, it's about everybody that's uh, in front of her. So, yes, that's Rachel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's, she's definitely one to look out for for the future. Um, Ellen Evans as well. She's an ex-international. And Kat, I want to say about Kat, Katrina Nicholas as well. She's uh, Ellen Cat. They're doing a great job. Um, and Shuan Lillycrap as well yeah. from Swansea University. She's doing a fantastic job. On the England side, you've also got coaches um, Mo Hunt. She's England nine at the moment. She's going on to do a level level three. She's one to look out for. And you've got um, Rocky Clark as well, Rochelle Clark, who um, has done a level four. She's um, another up-and-coming coach. And Giselle Mather, Wasps head coach, uh, she's phenomenal. She, I was lucky to coach the Barbarians with her. And also um, uh, Harlequin's head coach is um, Karen Findlay, um, ex-Scottish international. She's um, level four coach as well, I believe. So, you know, you've got a wealth and depth there of women's coaches that are coming into their own, um, you know, holding really prestigious positions there. Now, I'm sure that, because uh, I put you a bit on the spot there, there are others that... Um are out there as well and that the great thing is that um 10 15 years ago we were probably say uh giselle um and a couple of others and that would be it and now there yeah. is um 20 30 40 coaches out there and that's just at oh. the top level and you're seeing them at all sorts of levels now which is which is fantastic so it's a very exciting time uh, for the women's game, and I think not just in terms of players, but in terms of coaches. So, uh, and what I'm excited about is that I know we're going to try and uh, speak to a lot more of these coaches, and not me, but you. So, I'm looking yes. forward to you um, quizzing them harder than I quizzed you on <laughs> uh, on coaching and all the, the things in there. But it's been uh, a great pleasure to have you. Uh, join us on the podcast and uh, chat about rugby and coaching and some of the detail and some of the the ideas behind it. So thank you very much, Lisa, for your time. Thank you, Dan. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, I'm really excited about um, speaking to some of these coaches and um, yeah, listening, hearing to what they've got to say. Yes. Uh, just watch out uh, those coaches because I'm going to uh, inspire Lisa to ask very hard <laughs> questions not not let them get away with anything um so thanks thanks again lisa and thanks very much for everyone for listening uh you can hear more podcasts on the rugby coach weekly website just go to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button you can also listen to us on apple itunes spotify and if you dare say the word and i'm going to spell it out a l e XA, uh, if you speak to her in your homes (laughs) and say enable Rugby Coach Weekly, then it will play the latest podcast for you as well. Um, So thank you again for listening and I look forward to speaking to you all very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coach Weekly podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.